With over 25 years in the field, Cry Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. Your premium brewing partner and proud supporters of Brews News. And thanks to Cry Malt, this is Beer is a Conversation. I'm Matt Kirkegaard. This week, I speak with Paul Baggio, Managing Director of a network of companies with interests in the craft brewing movement, including Melbourne's Craft & Co., Gypsy Brewing Company, and equipment supplier, FB Propac. Paul's involvement in the beer industry stems from his background as a third-generation wine machinery manufacturer. Paul says he cut his teeth as a teenager making wine presses and crushes in his Italian immigrant father's factory. With his Italian heritage, background in winemaking and qualifications in business, Paul is very articulate about how the growth of craft brewing isn't just about changes in beer and our taste for it, but also in our relationship with those who make it. Paul believes the evolution of retail will see people wanting to know and become more intimate with what they're buying and also who makes it. And that is what's driving the rise of small local breweries, distilleries, coffee roasters and cheesemakers, amongst other things. In our conversation, we develop on this idea and I look at whether and how much Paul's Italian heritage and Melbourne's immigrant culture have made his business possible or shaped his approach and whether a business like Craft & Co would work in a city such as Brisbane, which doesn't have those cultures quite so strongly. It's a fascinating chat about beer, business, culture, and the things that drive the evolution of an industry. Enjoy the conversation. Paul Baggio, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thank you very much. Good morning, I think it is. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on when people listen to this. Uh, we generally do record in the morning, but it's not a good time to be drinking about beer for most people. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, you know, we're seeing some uh, interesting uh, styles with, um, with uh, breakfast beers, but yeah, the, the, uh, the purists would argue otherwise, but um, yeah, the, beer, the beer scene certainly changing, so... Um, so uh, don't uh, rest assured there may be some interesting breakfast beers coming out your way this summer. Exactly. But, mate, one of the reasons I wanted to have a bit of a chat to you is you, you, you're not uh, like a household name in the in the brewing industry. There are certain brewing rock stars out there that everybody knows. But you have had a, a, a quiet hand in a whole lot of things that are going on in the Melbourne, uh, in, in the, the national food and brewing scene. And it's it, it's been something that I've found a little bit hard to uh, actually get my head around all of the various parts of your business. So I, I, I guess the, the, the very first thing I, I might ask is, can you tell everybody who Paul Baggio is? Oh, who's Paul Baggio? That's, um, I guess, yeah, since birth, I uh, find myself uh, with parents involved in the beverage game, uh, uh, father was uh, a manufacturer of wine machinery and food processing machinery uh, as early as the um, the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, and then uh, we uh, have, I guess, a, a childhood, if you could imagine it, amongst home brewers with um, parents who were, were, for all intents, uh, Australia's one of Australia's largest suppliers across the country. And, and, um, and so I grew up in a very, yeah, very... Um, a different uh, childhood, if you will. You know, winemakers, brewers, chefs. It was just a, a passage of my 
of my every day. Um, uh, we were based in North Melbourne and, uh, and we were manufacturing in Preston in those early years. And, and um, really, um, to be brought up in what's uh, um, immigrants, you know, Italian immigrants coming out here who passionate about what they understood, um, you know, in those times was cheese making and, um, and uh, charcuterie, you know, salami and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and certainly wine and found themselves in, in, in what was a hotbed of immigration in those, uh, in those early 70s where there were a lot of people from overseas wanting to bring those traditions and, and customs with them. So that, that's sort of where you get a glimpse of where it started. And, uh, and home brewing, look, you know, as much as the connotations uh, of its origins in the 70s was about the exploding bottles in the garage, <laughs> we got a very, <laughs> we got a very, well, I particularly got a very interesting insight to seeing what was the first generation of passionate brewers and um and 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 literally you know uh, it's it's sort of transcended from there and uh um where i find myself um you know from the 20s you know um as guests as good immigrants they wanted me to go and study uh things different to what they were doing they wanted uh, uh as all parents good good things and better things and so they pushed for me a, a world of of um commercial you know studies and and um and the irony the irony is having um you know gone through university studied in business and uh and um and and and, and, and that, all those commercial aspects um i find myself leaving um an accountancy trade very early um and deciding having to go to travel to europe and uh, i guess that was really i opened my eyes when i went back to uh, uh traveling and um found myself working in a winery as a young it would have been a young 24 year old that I realised that hey, that those origins is what I was passionate about, and um, and despite all the protests from uh, from uh, my parents, I came back to really continue on what was um, a, a path that they'd started, and uh, just happened to find myself, um, I guess, a good uh, with good timing around those late nineties in in good company with the guys from Mountain Goat and Holgate. We all basically, I think, it was the class of ninety seven down at Ballarat Uni. And um, and uh, I went on taking forward what were credits in winemaking and brewing, um, and matching it with uh, what is a northern Italian heritage in distillation, uh, to then go on and really just take um, you know a, a more active industry in building breweries and uh, and distilleries. Uh, so look, that that's a bit of a very you know interesting uh, path that gets me where I am. Um, so today, you know, with um, with a number of different organisations, I, um, I I guess I look back at having started uh, building Blue Tongue Brewery. Um, Stockade was actually the first brewery back in sort of ninety nine two thousand. Blue Tongues came around two thousand and two, uh, and Matilda Bay obviously went through there, continued on from Stockade, and and uh, look today to have suggested we built over a hundred different breweries and and. And uh, now, you know, leading in, in what's uh, cross-flow techno- you know, technologies in beer filtration um, and so on is, is just really, you know, uh, the, the, the makings of what's been a, a lifetime, um, literally a lifetime in, in the industry. So. And, and, and this is why I've struggled to get my head around uh, sort of wanting to do a story on you because there are so many different threads. But what I'm going to do is step back a little bit into that um, Italian heritage because I, I, I always wonder... 
I, I look at something like beer, and you know, people like to see that you know beer is one thing, but I, I actually see beer springs out of the culture of the community that um, it, it's brewed in, and the, the mindset behind it, and the consumer approach to drinking it. You know, whether they're happy to have something that's shipped halfway across Australia, or whether they want something that's fresh and local. Um, and sure. how yep. important is your Italian heritage to your? view of this idea of being the maker and you know being locally sourced or you know, having providence behind um the the, the products um that, that you can yeah share. look it's it's um it's one of those fundamental points that i that i picked up working in in um in those environments uh, the, the the businesses my parents had you when when i was you know you're talking working in those environments quite early as 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 was common at that age, you know, to see what was tenfold in our in our stores, winemakers and brewers and and and, and all sorts of producers really, but it, it's their passion. Um, when you really think about things like uh, winemaking at home and brewing at home from grain, it was never an aspect of economics that I that I quickly jerry to. It was, it was purely the pride and 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 the satisfaction of creating something. Um, you know, something. That today is even extended because of the virtue of the way the world's evolved. That to to have discussions of wanting to know the ingredients and and understanding um, that the, the process. But but first and foremost, you know, you got to picture someone who was like you know 15, 16, 17, looking at a store environment where we had a, a cross section of different immigrants or and producers. And and for that matter, there was sort of was, there was my introduction to. To like the the early style winemakers, um, those guys. That was my first insight. So we're talking around probably you know, 93, 94. We were meeting a lot of guys who were lawyers and bankers, right? At this stage, who were just those those first click that were buying hobby farms in in Yarra Valley and Mornington, and um, that was their passion. You know, they they were just so dedicated, and and that, that was the the precursor to what was I guess the Australian wine industry boom. That that sort of took off in that period into into 2000, but the same happened, and that's why it was seamless for me to when I was talking to the guys when I when I remember dropping off um, you know hand cutters to to Cam and Dave down at Mountain Gate, you know, and they were basically everyone was basically working on on um, just you know case you know, just free beer just to help them package, and it, it, you could see it, but it was no. It, it, it's it sort of stayed true to word, if you will, over the last 20 years that. Uh, that really at the heart of it is passion and, 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 a, and a vehement interest. And, and it's gone longer than that where when um, today what we find is the expats who have travelled, who have gone to places, you know, um, various beer scenes in Spain or, or the coasts of France and, and, um, and of course, the US. We talk a lot about the, the US industry's influence on Australia's beer, beer market. But, but I guess what I've seen and really taken and an interest in is those sort of guys who did the backpack, found themselves in... Dubrovnik, you know, brewing beer and came back with a passion and, and, and uh, uh, repatriating back home, you know, brought all these this rich ideas. And, and I guess this is where we find ourselves today, where yeah, the evolution of our craft beer is just taking that extra leap and richness, steps from just being, you know, just a, a home brewer and passion, just producing a product. Now it's it's taking in so much more sophistication. But, but certainly, you know, to come back to your question, um, having that insight early, was certainly an advantage. It just it kept um, it, it just kept the eyes and, and mind wide, wide open. The curiosity, as they say, of good entrepreneurship, yeah, you know, was fostered very early in that environment. 
But is there more to it than that? Than the idea of the bank? And again, like again, I, I don't want to project um, you know, my own views onto it. But I, I was very lucky. I had some friends uh, who, who were Italian. They had some very sort of deep Italian roots, and they had one of those yards that the house was at the the concrete house with lots of uh, lines and things was at the front. Big backyard that had uh, you know big pipes and the, the whole thing was set up as a, <laughs> a, a as a backyard. You know, it, every tree was covered in nets to keep the birds out and things. Yeah, and yeah. then they had the um you know the, the tomato garden. And the day that the tomatoes were ripe, you know, three generations would turn up and they would be there and they would sort of uh, be sort of taking some tomatoes. They would be processing them. They would be bottling some. They would be making tomato paste. And it wasn't just you know. Like, I guess people that have grown up in Brisbane, where I'm from, they might have a veggie patch um, and they get great pride out of that. But there's something much, much deeper about having that sense of Italian self-sufficiency and community where you're actually harvesting them and it's it's as much about community and family and provenance. Oh, there is. There's, look, there's, there's, there's certainly no doubt, and I've spoken about this before, that um, having grown up in this, uh, what was... Uh, for, for your, your audience who, who are familiar with Melbourne, um, but I've seen it certainly through Sydney and Adelaide and, and even in Perth, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of those very, um, those, those multicultural hubs and, that, and they were created by virtue of the immigration. But what, what, what was established was that um, sort of passing on of, of, of interchange of knowledge. So I, I certainly remember going to Brunswick, you know, we, we had... Um, as I said, businesses, you know, the parents were there and I remember going to deliver some things. And there was a wine, there was a, there was a guy in a, in a garage in Brunswick who would have been, no joke, producing about 20,000 litres of wine. And, that, you know, this is like in a garage and he was literally just bootlegging, you know, and they, again, you know, not to, not to condone those sort of things, but it was just an interesting how those periods evolved where there was this community demand, you know, people were looking for familiar flavours and tastes and, and they couldn't find it in what was the market at the time. And it was just this amazing networks, and just and not only that, just the handing down or or interconnectivity of information, and that's happening today, right? So, so certainly what what um, the aspect of industrial that that sort of commercial or the the scaling up or just the the, the hands in and build that that certainly came from it. I think what's an interesting thing too was flavour. I think it's interesting, um, you know, with all the elements which we're working with, that that Italian heritage of anything really was um was 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 a precursor to understanding flavor and food and all the people within it so even like today there's a big discussion happening at the moment and if we talk about beer you know and and uh, its roots obviously it's built up with the with the US IPA movement and and you know flavors certainly dominated but you know, it's just interesting that um, more of late there's been this discussion about the the connection between you know beer and food and the matching and and that's, again, I think an extension from what was a very multicultural Melbourne to where it is now in the restaurant cafe scene. It's, it's, it's still progressing in that sense that we have this uh, you know, multiculturalism, whether we call it Italian, which is obviously my heritage, but others. You know, we're seeing some really interesting craft beers getting brought in uh, from the French um, elements. I, I think it's fascinating what's going on in, you know, in, in all these areas which are fusing what is good craft quality beer but making it accessible or giving it some sort of logic to, to the menu, if you will. And I think that's really the next paradigm that we have to think about where, where, where craft beer um, you know, fuses itself more, more solely from, from what is a craft artisan sort of you know, label 
to what becomes part of more the the the, the, the food artisan scene or the full or the Melbourne food scene and certainly Sydney's food scene and Brisbane. Brisbane has a massive you know, um, story on its own at the moment. So the fastest growing craft beer. Yeah, but it's interesting so. that you say that because, and so I'll just uh, before we move off from that point, because it's interesting that you did mention that Melbourne is multicultural, and you know, as, as a Brisbane boy growing up in uh, Brisbane, going to Melbourne was always there was always something that was special about it because you had um, foods that were much more widely available than they were up here. You had maybe had little pockets up here. But it was there was a culture around Melbourne that was very multicultural, and so you had very def- defined precincts, and it was exciting. But then anyone that's grown up in Melbourne is just going to accept that, and probably isn't as conscious of the novelty of that as somebody who drops into that. And so yes, Brisbane is um, going off in terms of the number of craft breweries, and there has been a jumping onto the craft beer side of things. But again, the culture is, you know, a lot of that is just being transposed onto uh, what was the previous beer culture. But it evolves. And it evolves in its own, like its own, what I've found. And again, I I guess I get this opportunity to travel a lot in in the business I'm in. But but I I certainly see that they all build on top of each other and Melbourne's scene will evolve. And, And you're right, we do tend to take some things for granted. But in some ways, you know, when I look at the Craft & Co., it was sort of, it came, and I often talk about the Craft & Co evolving as a very Melbourne idea. I don't think the, the Craft & Co would have come out of out of somewhere else. It, it came out of, because of that base, and I'm sure the other markets will create their uniqueness, because eventually, you know, like even Brisbane, you know, I, I, it, yeah, that just the summer and, and its own, its own unique elements, you know, of, of being, you know, the North, you know, North Queensland, the uh, well, that Queensland hub there is just going to create its own sort of uniqueness, which which Sydney will do its own. But, but to me, and, and again, all of this was a way to get to um, Craft and Co, which I was lucky enough to, to visit the other <laughs> the other week, um, to to try and sort of see, you know, what is it, um, what is the wellspring that that sprung from? Because you mentioned Brisbane, and Brisbane has a very different climate to Melbourne, and yep. there is yep. a whole lot of way. You know, uh, we had a big Oktoberfest in Brisbane recently. It was under this enormous marquee. There was room for thousands of people under this marquee, but it was a wet weekend and crowds were down because Brisbane yep. people just won't go out if it even looks like raining. Um, yep. Whereas in Melbourne, <laughs> you would never go out if that was the case. So people are much more um, acclimatised to do it. But then the flip side is yeah. that Brisbane also looks at what, um, you know, when Brisbane people go down to Melbourne and they experience the laneways and you know, those very exciting yep. um, laneways. They want that here. And so we've seen property developers building developments that include a laneway that never existed beforehand, <laughs> which to me yeah, is, yeah. is nonsense because the, the, you know, it, it works on a very limited way. But the reason that the laneways grew up in Melbourne was because of geography Probably, and culture yeah, and yeah. You know, all, all of those things. Um, and you can't just transplant that. And uh, that, that's why I was wondering, you know, because I, I love the idea of Craft & Co, which you've got um, a, a deli and cheese and a bar and you've got uh, incubation hubs for brewers and uh, spirits yeah. makers, all in this yeah. one venue where you can sample and sip and try. And I, I wonder whether that is... Um, a thing that could really only have sprung up in Australia in somewhere like Melbourne. Look, yeah, I feel so. Uh, not only because, look, the, the the genesis of an idea like Craft & Co was, was literally some 20 years in the making. I mean, I remember designing 
on backs of envelopes the idea of Craft & Co over 20 years ago. So, and that came from the, we, you know, the various businesses were involved in education where we did, you know, um, winery and, and cider and brewery and cheese making courses. And, and we were doing those things, you know, some 20 years ago. And, um, and what was interesting, what always caught my eye was the, the activity or the, the energy that came from having all these producers. So we had, well, it was actually one particular evening, I, I remember so clearly, we had the winemakers um, on one side of this, of this building and then, and then we had, there was um, some guys doing salami. Anyway, and I think there was a side of thing. Anyway, it just happened to be they all finished at the same time. And, and, um, and what was unique was how they all, at the end, we're all just fascinated about each other's production. They didn't, they all just sort of intermingled and it was this great buzz. And I thought, wow, that's what it's about. And so the Craft and Co, when, you know, when we're talking, was how do you make a place that could have all these artisans where you literally create like a village? You know, we had a brewery, a distillery, we have a cheese studio where, you know, creates, apart from cheeses, you know, has all dairy. We create our yogurts and then, um, and then you bring in within the brewery, like for example, the spent grains, you know, they were making breads and, uh, and crackers. And, and, and so this is where the concept, you know, sort of evolved was, was to put all these artisans and they became the, the not so much, we use the word theatre, but it's because the public always had a fascination and interest of this and uh, whether it's a Melbourne thing or not, but that's what we were going 20 years ago. And so, you know, to have this opportunity to finally get some money enough to put it together um, and to have what is this, you know, what is a quite a large space, you know, in Collingwood, which Collingwood having a, a huge tradition with, uh, with, with craft and artisan, um, not so much, you know, even, even outside, you know, even just the manufacturer of, of leather goods and, and, and all sorts of other types of trades. It just seemed like the perfect sort of setup. And, uh, and, 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 it, you know, and that's, that was one of the things. It was, it was a great, um, it was just a great opportunity to put all the elements of, of, of the history going back to when, you know, I spoke earlier from when being a kid watching these, these makers, you know, do things at home. And now they've all grown up. You know, now they've all been given in this wonderful sort of modern economy the opportunity to commercialise this, this, these goods. The, it's hip, uh, you know, as once upon a time home brewing wasn't. And today they are the flavorists. You know, I go to the US and home brewers are rock stars. They are the guys who denote the new flavour profile. So, so for, build them an area where, where they could come and produce and incubate um, was, really, was really just yeah, a satisfying, I guess, achievement. And that's, and that's where, to this day, yeah, the courses we do here, uh, the new businesses from which are launched from here, which at the moment are over nearly 42 different producers operate through the Craft & Co. And, um, you know, and, uh, I think just to have all that fusion, and it's a great. You know, I think that, that was... The genesis certainly came from seeing that and being um, privy to that that sort of hot seat of activity so early, and um, and to be able to, I guess, to build other areas of the business that, that actually built distilleries and breweries and and wineries and cheese studios by virtue of Epi Pro Pack, um, the Craft and Co. You know, was was um, a, a, a wonderful sort of uh, cherry on the top of, the, of of all the things that have been accomplished in these twenty years. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Is it Melbourne? Look, um, look, it's certainly Paul Baggio. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but um, is it Melbourne? Look, you know, I, I'm certainly very proud of what's happened, you know, with the food scene in Melbourne. And from my 
the, the Baggio family be so integral into into so many makers and producers. So, so if it's Melbourne, well, great, you know, and, and to be a part of that, that's even better. You've tossed in because um, you talked about Craft and Co, which is the. Um, how do you describe it? Uh, like, what, what's the sort of one word or the the, the, the one paragraph summary of, of what Craft and Co is? Look, it's a producers' village. Um, you know, an artisan's producers' village. The re- the name Craft and Co. You know, craft produce happens across a number of different areas. Um, we 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 have what is just a community that comes here and produces all the elements. Um, and that means yeah, you know, and, and the people who are into that can actually it's it's a it's an eatery, um, which has a distillery, a brewery, a cheese studio, you know, um, a, a wood um, bread oven, um, a charcuterie you know area. It, so it has all those elements, but it's an eatery first and foremost, where people who are passionate about it can sit and watch the artisans at work. So if that's your thing, and you want to just sit there and and chat to a distiller. He's literally at arm's distance, and and it's often it's one of the satisfactions I get coming here um, is to see those guys just chatting to the brewer and the brewer just you know exchanging ideas with someone who's passionate about brewing um, and beer and and then so forth. The chef. The chef, you know, just gets to collaborate with many areas. The cheesemakers, for example, you know, gin-encrusted rinds on cheeses. As I mentioned earlier, the spent grain crackers. You know, the chef basically just talking about what goes into those different elements. And, and, that, and that's why we see food. I guess that, that really comes back to how, you know, if you keep asking me what's the influence of, of Italy uh, or food. And I guess, you know, during the, during the interview, I, I really, um, I probably only come clear to that by this point in the sense that the Italian food table is, is when you drink, you don't drink wine for wine's sake. It's, it's always, it's the table that's sort of a welcoming experience. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of sayings in Italian that talk about the, 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 the table um, being, you know, the, 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 the table of plenty being a very welcoming place where exchange and, and conversation happens. I guess, I guess the craft and co's that it's it's sort of a village where you got interested, like-minded people coalesce, and just really you know just can enjoy all fresh produce. It's a, it's it's probably that. Yeah, that comes down to what the craft and co's about. But it's a it, it's a very clever way that you've brought in that Ed brought in that background and that sort of underpinnings behind it. But it also has a commercial element because, as you, you, you mentioned before, um, FB Propac is another one of your businesses where you sell uh, brewing and winemaking equipment, I believe, through FB Propac. Correct. And yes, it's almost yes. a, a, and distilling equipment as well. So it's, a, it's almost a showroom in, in a sense where uh, as artisans come in and make their spirits or they, they, they uh, are the gypsy brewers, um, and come in and use your facilities. I guess they're becoming yeah, yeah. trained on your equipment. And if they do fly the uh, nest uh, eventually, hopefully they'll uh, sort of be comfortable working that e- equipment. And it's a it, it's a business opportunity for you. Sure. Yeah, there is a pragmatic side. I mean, look, you know, no, no. Um, That's certainly not having no. a dig. Don't sound defensive about that because I, I, I think it's oh, a, no. a, a really clever um, business model. No. no, look, I guess. I, I, look, I, I came, I was brought up in a very entrepreneurial framework. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my background, um, I was encouraged to pursue and become um, a, a commercial um, student and, and, and did very well in that area. I guess passionately, you know, 
food beverage was always my thing. I guess I just found uniquely a way to fuse the two. I, I'm, I certainly studied brewing. I, I was a, a winemaker for many years and did brewing over in Europe for a number of years. But what I found most satisfying was building uh, or helping the builder businesses. And then to this day, you know, that, that's, that's really where we, we do our best work. So, so what we have is this, this, this fusion. Like every pro pack, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, has uh, started building some of the first big brand breweries, uh, first big brand craft breweries, I should say, you know, um, you know, Stockade and, and Blue Tongue, so be it on the larger scale. But, but then again, you know, you know, St. Andrew's Brewery, KG Brewery, you know, Napoleon Brewery, you know, we've, we've, we've had so many stamps on that size of, 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 of brew um, development. And, and for that matter, even distilleries, you know, we, we started distilleries back in 2002. But the common thread with all of these, these elements and, 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 and in this business is scale. And one of the things that I noticed very on was a lot of guys couldn't access the market. Um, they may have had great ideas. They may have had a lot of all the passion under, under the sun, but they, they really could not crystallize their, their, their ambitions because of just lack of access to capital. And, and that, you know, pragmatically speaking, you know, uh, strategically could have impacted, you know, or could impact FB you know, as a business. And, and the logical thing was to say, well, look, you know, we, we started incubating, you know, as you get involved and putting our money where our mouth is very early. I'm talking over 10 years ago, um, you know, with, with different projects. And so, so this is where the craft just sort of organised that, but took another level. So apart from where we were incubating maybe 10 years ago with, with lease equipment and rentals and traditional models, the, the more modern framework is to partner. And not to use that word, is quite ubiquitous these days, but, but realistically what we found was, well, look, you know, we understand this business. We've been in it probably longer than everyone, um, you know, really, from, from its roots right through. And, you know, and when I say the, the breadth of it from the production right through to packaging. And so that's where the Craft & Co. we saw was another opportunity to bring people in who got ideas, who wanted spaces from which to, to really um, express that, that, those concepts. And, 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 yes, by virtue, get their hands in, in, in moving from what's more nano-style type brewing to what is the next level and then to enable them to scale. And, and that level of scaling, ironically, happens at all aspects of business growth in the beverage and food scene. So, so like the Craft & Co has a, has a, um, a 10 hex brew house with, with 20 hex primaries. Um, and we're expanding them out to 40 hex. Why? Because that's a good size from which you want to take your concepts from nano production to commercial. Um, and, and we're busy building the next scale, which will be open in the next month or so, which will be a larger, you know, which will enable people to scale from the next levels up because just the, you know, the barriers to entry is, is literally capital. And, and, and so, so that's really what we've been able to achieve um, with, with production, both with distillation and brewing and a number of areas like cheese making. Um, the next level of it, what we recognise is, okay, it's one thing just to give someone some tools. What we actually give them is then also a venue in the Craft & Co for which then to bring in their distributors and their sales teams to do events because realistically as a business owner, you've got to sell. And that's my message to the guys where we say, look, we're going to actually help you build revenue streams. And, um, and so we are just not, you know, so like, here's, here's a piece of kit, you know, and, and saying, you know, see you later. We've, 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 um, we've quite unashamedly invested in the process and that's, and that's, that's where the next level. And so, yes, you're right. The link is, is come with us for the journey. FB has its technical skills, the engineers, 
Um, yeah, we pride ourselves in investing in all those areas of bottling technicians and brewers and distillers. But we recognise there's very few, other than the corporates, who could just literally come in with a business model and say, bang, you know, um, can I have a brewery and a bottling line? So uh, it, it's, it's certainly very vertical um, from a strategy, but it certainly comes from being passionate of the industry and, and having a very macro viewpoint in its long run, um, you know, its long run success. Uh, um, and, and that's a bit different to what I guess a lot of other suppliers would be doing. So what's next? Uh, and again, so I'll frame this question by saying, you know, I look at a lot of people who are coming in, you know, particularly under 30s, who have a very different um, approach to beer than people my age who are closer to 50. Um, and But they seem to have a much different look at sustainability and culture, which to my way of thinking really locks in um, the value for small local breweries. Do, do you think that's... Uh, reasonable and, and do you think we are going to see a you know what's next for the maker scene what's next for the craft brewing scene the craft brewing scene I think differentiation I think you know again there's there's the niche areas that still need to be exploited the the, the flavor profile is, is is quite heavily skewed to the IPA and, and they very broad you know that that sort of side of the spectrum flavor I think what we're going to find Having seen the wine industry follow a very similar pattern, is is I find sophistication in the palate will start to build if it's not already existent with a lot of producers. Um, I think that the, the drinker, you know, we talk about you know the current um, consumer, you know, they their their experiences, they're, they're well travelled or more more travelled than, than than previous generations, and they're bringing those experiences and um and I think that you know the broader uh, the capturing of a broader audience will will require the craft beer scene to look at, you know, where does beer sit on the table? How, if it is to make that mainstream, you know, um, category jump, it needs to probably find a nice little pockets of, of matchings, you know, and, and to be and, and to actually form itself in a vernacular like white wine, red wine, you know, uh, sort of fish and, and meat. Uh, that's a bit simplistic, but, but and, and we're seeing those trends overseas. Certainly, I'm a big fan of what I'm seeing in Europe, um, and that's nothing, you know, just to, to denote or or to reduce what what influence the US has had. I certainly spent a lot of time on the West Coast in in Portland and Oregon, uh, Portland and Washington State, and 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 those areas to see that that there's just amazing developments happening even in the US with um, with food matching and beer. Um, but I really have seen in the last probably say two three years some really interesting enclaves coming out, you know, as in as in producer hubs coming out of um, of Bologna and Parma um, and out of Bordeaux in France that I think you know, really are interesting places which brewers here could be looking at as to how beer is becoming just part of, uh, uh, and not beer for beer's sake, I think you know, it's part of a broader acceptance and where flavour has been you know, sort of embraced um, and, still, and still craft and artisanal has been, has been honoured. So... I think that those areas will be what we'll see, you know, as, as that we take that next level to, to, to maturity in, in the craft beer, in beer development. And certainly these areas, I mean, we're, our incubator is not the only one. There's a number of incubators, you know, forming, which they're all going to start just now accessing, um, you know, uh, possibilities for, for new producers to bring ideas and, and their creativity to the market. So, um, and I think, um, I think that's going to be great. So, it's certainly um, some really exciting times 
and uh, watch that space. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the, the one thing, the, the three, uh, you know, you, you talked about Bologna and uh, you know, I'm trying to think of... Uh, and, and Bordeaux. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- th- these yeah. are places with uh, a very strong food culture already. Um, and so having the beer grow into that it's established it's growing into a very established food culture um you know do, do you see something like that springing up in brisbane which look i, I would argue and i'd probably might get held down by brisbaneites but brisbane doesn't have that sort of food culture the way that melbourne does for example well i, I said earlier i think i think they all form from from their previous layers of experience their own unique parts and and even though you know melbourne certainly has via its, let's call it, Italian Greco-style um, heritage. Um, you know, I would suggest Sydney will form, you know, a different form of, 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 of influence. And, and I think Brisbane's got amazing, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's um, you just talk about a seafood, right, or, or just that, that summer style, you know, uh, appeal. I just can't help but take, you know, that, that, that whole food culture in, into new exciting ways. And, and I, I'm just not sure, you know, like we look at the beer scene even in Japan, you know, and how that, that the, beer, the beer matching um, and to that, that extent, even the, the distillation scene in Japan, how they actually took, you know, with their established type of foods. I, I, I look, I have, I have a lot of confidence that the generations build and, and the youth of today, I'm amazed to see how quickly, and it's happening far faster than it maybe would have happened 10 years ago, by virtue of all, of all the actual, you know, this uh, technology changes. So, look, I, I certainly think Brisbane um, is in a very good position in the sense because it's, it's just its climate, its tourism, you know, it, it just means it will have organic um, investment dollars that will drive things in a different, you know, uh, in a ways that maybe some markets wouldn't be able to access. Uh, and the same thing holds true to Providence. When I look at country Victoria, again, perhaps a bit more familiar with that, or or even the breweries that are that are, that are occurring, um, you know, out of in Adelaide, and, and in that matter, you know, Swan Valley and and down in um in down in Margaret in WA, they've, they've all taken up this Providence, and I think that's going to be where the commerciality um, you know, will reign in that sense. That they'll find their, their 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 point of difference, you know, to use some business talk, their value proposition. And, they, and, and that'll be, you know, what really will work. Uh, yeah, we're really excited to see what's going on in the King Valley, around the Snow Road, you know, and, and, and what they're doing there with the beer scene. Um, you know, Bright's Brewery, for example, Blackhawk Brewery. Yeah, those guys are really honing in what's local. They know it best. And they're going to craft that, um, you know, uniquely to their, to their message. And, that, and that'll happen the same in Brisbane um, and what we're seeing, you know, further up into, into Noosa. And, um, and uh, it's, it's just, yeah, I think... I think that's what's so so great you know, about the diversity, and um and and I think that's why there's such scope for for the industry just to keep growing. Um, you know, there certainly will need to be some consolidation in some pockets. Um, you know, from smaller um, to probably a bit larger, because there's, there's this economy of scale at some point drives those margins and just enables businesses to to have you know um, better sustainability. Um, and abilities to reinvest. So there's certain dynamics that, that will change, if anything, more in, in sort of, you know, the traditional urban style areas because um, their, their ability to differentiate will be, will be probably less than, than areas of, um, of, of, of regional, you know, Australia and, and um, in areas like Queensland. Um, but, um, but nonetheless, I think, 
I think, yeah, I think they'll have just a unique story. And I think it'll be uniquely Queensland and Melbourne for sure. It'll just, you know, it'll have, it'll have more Mediterranean. Uh, you know, certainly you can see the restaurant scene and the bar scene, you know, it's taken on a lot of those elements. Um, but, you know, you look at Bordeaux, the French area of Bordeaux. Yes, that's a food area. But what's really dominated there is its coast. You know, there's a massive, a very established beach culture, surfing culture. Um, if anything, I find the beer scene in Bordeaux to be more reminiscent of what's happening along you know, the coast of Queensland. So, so look, you know, it's, um, there's opportunity, really. Uh, all it needs is a bit of curiosity and a lot of imagination, and away you go. <laughs> oh, mate, that's, uh, that's uh, and again, I wasn't specifically referring to Brisbane, but I think you can take what you said about Brisbane and sort of talk about, you know, whether that mindset is is feasible yeah. in uh, just about yeah, anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, and that, yeah, again, I think so. And it brings it back to that idea that it is, if it embraces its own regionality, is, is what I took from that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree totally. And, um, and, there's, um, and they're early days. I still don't think a lot of that has been um, deep enough explored. And um, and I think that's that's what I really think is going to be the interesting part of what will bring those unique stories. And so, yeah, yeah it's, um, I think there's still a lot of upside. But um, yeah, there's still evolution, that, that's for sure. And I still think these other fusions of other artists and areas, yeah, we're seeing now with, with distillation, with, um, I guess, you know, distilled beer, um, you know, lots of, you know, influences of, of now the cheese, just really, um, you know, a lot of just specific cheese making with beer. So you've seen all that fusion too that's still layering. I don't think that those things have really fully matured and still have some years to go. So. Oh, very, very exciting times. And we'll put links in the show notes to Craft & Co. So anyone who gets to Melbourne or is from Melbourne that hasn't checked it out already can come and see uh, a little bit about the Maker's uh, Corner that you've uh, created down there. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Matt. And uh, look forward to seeing um, seeing you back in town uh, when, when you're here next. So, Absolutely. Um, thanks again. Thanks again for the chat. And uh, yeah, all the best. My absolute pleasure. No, thank you. And uh, yeah, no, I, I, look, there, there's so much more that uh, we could cover. We might have to get you on again because uh, we're sort of up against our uh, limit. So uh, I, I might have to save some of those questions for later. But it's been great chat, Paul. And uh, Paul Baggio, thank you very much for joining Beer as a Conversation. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. And that was Paul Baggio. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener, And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. And we look forward to another conversation next week.